the incomparable podcast number 21 comic book club for january 2011 We're back on the Incomparable Podcast, and the Comic Book Club is back in session. Yay! It's been a while. Some things have happened. One of our panelists had a baby. You see, these things happen. Um, not in comic books. There are very rarely people having babies. That should be a topic. Babies in comic books. Just, you know, I have a lot fun. to say about that now because I've had a lot of time to think about it. I bet, I bet you have. <laughs> I bet you have. We should. That, that would actually be a great – well, maybe we'll talk about that later. Maybe maybe we'll talk about it sooner. It depends how desperate we are. Anyway, maybe. I'm Jason Snell. I'm your host. And joining me today in the comic book club, as always, are Jason Brightman. Hey. And Lisa Schmeiser. Hi there. Congratulations on your baby. Thank you. Um, so, uh, our topic today is events and, and my, my first exposure to events, uh, in comic book land, I mean, not like events ha- occur because events occur, hopefully if you're like, lucky in every comic book, mm-hmm. other than the, some decompression kind of comics, like Brian Michael Bendis writes where there's just dialogue and no events, which I like, but there are no events happening. I'm <laughs> talking about big events. Um, the first of which that I experienced was uh, the Secret Wars of Marvel in the 80s, which was um, kind of unfulfilling. It was much hyped and very exciting and everybody bought it and in the end sort of didn't really change anything except Spider-Man's costume and, and it wasn't that interesting and it was a letdown and funny – I think that pretty much sums up events in general. Oh, but it, it changed everything. All right, tell, tell me, tell me why Secret Wars changed everything, Jason. Well, I want to hear this. Aside from Spider-Man's okay. costume, but Spider-Man's costume actually led to the one of the creations of the only villains in the last what twenty years that has had any staying power, which is Venom. Which is Venom. Which is not also, one of, not one of my favorites. Got to say, but, right? All right, but you have to give him credit for when you say what villain has been created in the last twenty years. You know, not Doctor Doom. Not yeah. It's no, you're Venom. right. The uh, it uh, Magneto became a good guy. Ah, uh, yeah, had I huge that. implications. It still, you know, now he goes. It back still and reverberates forth. across the the books, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, all right. Okay, so 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 here's a, my first question then for you guys uh, is we'll just dive right in here. Um, mm-hmm. Events are events about changing the world and setting off on new stories outside the event. Or are they about telling good stories? Because what you're saying is these. <laughs> See, have I, I, I reject your false choices and I set up a third, which is <laughs> events for are, are events about boosting sales across all titles. I completely agree, one hundred percent with Lisa. All right. Cha-ching, cha-ching, <laughs> okay. Cha-ching. So 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 number one. So so when, when we're talking about events, you know. Uh, crisis on Infinite Earths and, and all other crises Which that followed. Arguably, that changed far more and had implications well into today. It's still screwing up continuity even into today. <laughs> I mean, well, no, to this day, I have no idea where Power Girl came from because Earth Two. Oh my God, they had that whole Power Girl series a few years ago where they tried to reboot her origin. Yeah, see, now and, we're getting into the, the details wow. of which fandom. Is, which but, is one of the issues with these yeah. events because a lot of the – I mean I, I would actually argue the difference between Secret Wars and Crisis, both of which I bought, is that Secret Wars was a sort of uh, a story like Contest of Champions, which was essentially the model, which was this like three-issue, mm-hmm. really cool Marvel miniseries. Um, 
it was it was a what if we put everybody together and they fought kind of crossover thing. Right. Crisis Crisis was like that, but Crisis was also all about kind of like continuity in the universe. And, yeah. and the challenge with that is that you know some people are really excited about continuity in the universe, and other people are are not. Couldn't care. But so for the Crisis was about solving a problem the DC universe had. Mainly the continuity was so screwed up after so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the ones who didn't care about that, they threw in the death of Supergirl, right? And the Flash, <laughs> that classic uh, cover, the classic cover. The mm-hmm. Secret Wars was not trying to solve a problem. Uh, it was trying, other than sales. Other than sales, it was trying to generate <laughs> revenue. And it was actually my understanding uh, is it was done at the request of Mattel because they they were creating a Marvel toy line and they wanted something to push the toy line, huh. give the toy line some coherence. They created Secret Wars and you had the Secret Wars toy line. So it was it was a comic book to push action figures. Wow. Wow. As opposed to Micronauts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lisa, for making our obligatory Micronauts <laughs> reference. Micronauts, the comic book that survived past its product that it was promoting, right. strangely yeah. enough. In that case, the product came first. The Survivor's in, Guild, yeah. yes. But in this case, it was the product and marketing. Well, I mean, the fact is events are about lifting sales. There's no doubt about it. Um, one of the complexities of events – see, Secret Wars was interesting in that it, its impact really was in its own story. And in all the other books, you saw everybody leave and then everybody came back and you were left to wonder what happened while they were gone. The modern event, like your Civil War or your uh-huh. – or your what? What are the Green Lanterns? There's a Blackest Night and Brightest, brightest day, day and all of that. Yeah, um, well, they, they brought in like Black Lanterns and Red Lanterns and. Well, oh, as, yeah. as yeah. I believe came up on a, a previous podcast, uh, the big reveal there is there are other colors in the spectrum. <gasps> Shocking! A secret's right. been kept from us that there are other colors in the but spectrum. See, but those are all about like lots of books, well, and then and then it gets really confusing because it's like it's it's a it's now designed not just to sell more copies of this new thing, but it's to sell individual issues of. A huge smattering right, of titles. Right. That's what it's. It's. It's the mm-hmm. the crossover sell or the event sells really well, and then you put the event logo on another book that may or may not have anything to do with the event, and it sells really well. And mm-hmm. uh, the first thing to do that, one of the big events that came right after Secret Wars, or just a couple of years down the road from Secret Wars, was the Mutant Massacre, <sighs> uh, yes, which took place in the three main X Men titles at the time: X Men, X Factor, and New Mutants. Uh, and then they threw in uh, two issues of it in Thor and one in Power Pack. And lo and behold, those sales went way huh. up. And they went, huh. <laughs> we, uh, can sell, right. we can finally sell Power Pack. A year later, yeah. liter- a year later, because usually the events in the old days happen in the fall. A year later came uh, Inferno, also driven by the X-Men titles. Uh, and that crossed over into 32 other books. From Daredevil to wow. Power Pack. Uh, well, they still they still do things like that because back before right. they began collapsing X Men titles, when they did the House of M event, everybody got involved, even down to Captain America. Yep. And Captain America has nothing to do with the X Men. I mean, aside from the, the the Odd Avengers tie-in, but they had a whole special issue. Ooh, what would have happened if House of M were real? And, and fans complain and complain mm-hmm. and complain. Yet. And they buy it anyway. They buy it anyway. So well, publishers mm-hmm. keep doing it. And, and one of the <laughs> nice things about the, the revolution in having trade paperbacks and hardcovers for people who are less hardcore about collecting the, 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 the monthly pamphlets mm-hmm. is that they um, can collect those stories. 
and, yeah. and it makes more sense. So, so in some ways, even though it's it's spreading out across all of your individual issues, um, you you get a chance with the hardcovers and the and the trades to kind of suck it back together and have it make a little bit more sense, which is interesting. Although even then, you you end up reading an issue of a book that you haven't read and are like, well, who are these people and all that? Which is where synergy ties right. Go out and buy that title now, right? So you Ex- can learn. Exactly. One of the things I was going to bring up is when they do do these cross-ins, because these issues are also meant to serve as introductory reads for people who aren't familiar with them. Uh, a lot of the times, they're 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 not characteristic of the series as a whole. So if you do read an issue of of, a, of an event tie-in and then decide to pick up the monthly book, you're you're like, wait a minute, when when I read the first one. These characters had a, a whippy repartee, and it was action-packed, and now it turns out they sit around and solve crimes and are boring. What, what's up with that? And right. it, it, it's almost like selling someone a false bill of goods. For example, I think X Factor is a fantastic series. Peter David's a great writer, and it's got a lot of fun dialogue, and it's super, and it's super tongue-in-cheek. But every time they've been pulled into something like Civil War or House of M or whatever – uh, the, the tedious – we have to find the last mutant. I, I forget the name of the, the title that they, that they just – the name of that event that just happened, but uh, you know, X Factor ends up being a, a total drag and boring and no fun to read, and it's a horrible introduction for people who don't know the series, and it's a and it's it's, it's a letdown for people who have been following it since issue one. So, I wonder, I, I wonder how much of the problem of 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 events in comic books is the scope that that to get that big scope, you have to tell a story that. Um, it may not even be a story worth telling or 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 is a story that isn't particularly interesting and and that if you if an event if you could call it that that is essentially a story of you know let's do mm-hmm. this tale even if it's a crossover I mean, yeah. That was the interesting thing about Secret Wars is at least it was a story that was sort of self-contained. And the sc- when the scope is sprawling and it's happening everywhere, the um, an event I read in the last couple of years was Annihilation from Marvel, which mm-hmm. is their cosmic superheroes. Yeah. I'm a big uh, fan of, uh, of Nova since I was a kid, mm-hmm. w- which is the Green Lantern knockoff on Marvel. But I always liked Nova. And he, he was a, a prime mover in the Annihilation comic. And it was interesting and it was kind of cool looking but at the same time the scope was so vast that you really couldn't i mean you couldn't even tell what was going on a lot of the time and it's not that fulfilling as a as a story yeah, either that or the well you know what it kind of reminds me of is you remember back in the 90s when nbc had their comedy blocks and they would do a thing where they'd have the actors from one show appear on another show and it was <laughs> oh no seriously oh, no I, I i know exactly what you're talking about hey it's, it's the ER actors they're on friends kramer, or it's Fr- kramer is on mad about you with paul reiser yeah yeah exactly and that's what events Feel like feel like to me half of the time because I can accept that in the Marvel Wacky universe. Cameo. Law yeah, and Order the, is with Homicide now. I know. Yeah. Well, what? sometimes so, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, for example, I can accept in the Marvel universe you have the Runaways who are running around doing their thing. You have the Avengers who are the the grownups who are solving crime. You have the X Men doing God knows what on God knows what part of the country, depending on the story arc going on, so on and so forth. You have Wolverine everywhere. Wolverine. It, oh yeah. And you know, Japan. for a surly loner, he gets around. You got to spend some time but, in Japan with Wolverine too. Yeah, but at the same time, you know. Um, for example, at the end of the first Runaways arc, Captain America comes to deliver some truth, justice, and American way to the kids, and it's kind of jarring because you're, you're you know, wait a minute, no, you're on at nine, you're on at nine thirty, as it were, and um, I feel that way about events sometimes too, where unless the writer has really thought out the interactions between these characters and and what they're going to bring to them, it, it feels really forced together. It's like you're playing Barbie and GI Joe at the same time. <laughs> 
Yeah, which I mean, there is an aspect to that, but who who didn't? I mean, as a kid, kind of slam together things that didn't belong together. When I was a kid, yeah. and this mm-hmm. is not a Micronuts story, I swear. Um, we played a game on the playground in like first grade called Starzan, and it was a Tarzan Star Trek mashup. I I, I kid you That's not. That's awesome. So there's something awesome. to be said for that kind of of weird mashup. The problem is is that most of the times it's not really that fulfilling. And this is why you no. keep buying those event books. Yeah, because you're hoping that it's, you just hope each time. And this, you might as well do Superman versus right. Spider-Man, right? That was the old that, school that event, right? Those yeah. DC Marvel mashup yeah. things. It made yeah. no sense, but it didn't matter. When X-Men you, Teen Titans. When you, mm-hmm. uh, this is actually now the problem with trade paperbacks too. Is uh, when it came out on a monthly basis and made no sense, you could chalk it up to, well, I just forgot something because it was a month ago. I read the last chapter, right? And mm-hmm. now you get the collections, and sure enough, put it all together, read it at the same time, still makes. No sense. Right. Yeah, it's like um, putting TV shows on DVD when right. you're like, wow, that really doesn't hang together. <laughs> Some shows are better. Terrible. Some shows yeah. and comics are better being read as a collection yeah. and other ones fall apart so, when, yeah. when you don't have a week or two to judge them or a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One event that I think uh, broke all of the – what we're talking about where things don't make sense and it, characters don't make sense and it was sort of jarring uh, was Valiant Comics, which was started by Jim Shooter after he left Marvel. Uh mm-hmm. They did this event called Unity, which was uh, – they took – it was two chapters of each of their uh, five or six comics. And they launched a couple of comics during it and then had a, a, a zero issue and an issue one. So like bookends that were Unity where everybody was together. And that was so well crafted because every single chapter was written by Jim Shooter. It had one writer throughout or he may have had help on some of the, the books. But it was so tightly controlled that a panel – in one comic would also be used in one of the other comics. So essentially <laughs> what you were seeing was an event. If the event had all of the characters in one of the books, you would see that event from one character's perspective and the other uh, issue, you would see it from a different character's perspective, the same event. And everything was timestamped. So if you looked at it across the whole thing, uh, you could look, follow the timestamps and sure enough, the panels were drawn where – it was drawn from one person's perspective and the other one was drawn from the other. Oh, it was just wow. so well crafted yeah. uh, that it 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 broke it, it said it set the tone for what event books could be. But you can only do that if you have you know dictatorial oversight um, mm-hmm. and control over every aspect. And not too wild a scope because you can't yeah. you couldn't have that kind of control and oversight over fifty or, or right. eighty. But they actually took the whole mm-hmm. thing about the, the Valiant universe is they had their present day characters and books and then they had two books that were in the year 40, 40 AD, you know, Magnus Robot Fighter and stuff was in the future and everybody ended up in the same and they had Turok uh, who was this Indian character from the Stone Age uh, and they all ended up in the lost land, timeless place where there's dinosaurs and technology and Mm -hmm. they mashed them all together and they ended up taking one of the characters in one of the present day books was pregnant and it was... She had one of her characters was a boyfriend and the other one was actually the father of the child. And it was very what's going to happen with this whole baby thing, getting back to the yes, babies. Interesting. Uh, uh-huh. And then they – that at the end, the, she has the baby during Unity and the baby is given to uh, this robot character who's from the Magnus robot fighter. And the implications is this – Magnus was always a an orphan. Nobody knew where he came from. Mm-hmm. The implication being the present-day characters here – baby goes into the future and that's Magnus. And it, it ended up this whole big story, which lots of stuff happened, it tied 
their entire universe together where before it wasn't tied together in that kind of way. And it was just so well structured. Uh, It's hard to find now because Valiants are mostly out of print and those characters, Magnus, Solar, and Turok are actually being published by Dark Horse now. So the company that owns the old Valiant characters, I don't even think could reprint it without getting it. So it's in legal limbo and you probably won't see it. But you can on eBay get Unity in a a series of four trade paperbacks and Highly recommend so on BitTorrent. It. Also on BitTorrent, you All get right. the entire Valiant universe on BitTorrent, right. including Unity. Not that you know this advocating. podcast has been like the biggest argument for an iPad ever. It's <laughs> true. Yeah, we should have Apple uh, do advertisements. Oh, that's an yeah, idea. No, Apple doesn't do advertisements. <laughs> what are you talking about? They don't, yeah. they don't need to. So, anyway, uh, the unlike a lot of the crossovers now, where it's done purely marketing reasons, and mm-hmm. oh, this book is is selling low, so we'll throw them into the crossover regardless if if they have anything yeah. to do with anything. Uh, Hawk and Dove, what are you doing here? Right. <laughs> Unity was like that. And I kind of feel Crisis on Infinite Earths, the first one, mm-hmm. was was like that too. They had some crossovers, but it was really story-driven. And Marv Wolfman mm-hmm. did such a great job with that. Sorry, yeah. well, it still holds up 25 years later. Yeah. Now, now, so quick question. Do yeah. you guys think DC does crossovers better or do you think Marvel does the events better? Which, if you had to choose, if I would say DC, if you yeah. if you just frame the question like that, just those two, yeah, I'm framing it like that because those are basically your 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 Coke versus Pepsi. I would, I would say now I am a Marvel guy, but this is one of those. I actually started. I was reading both um, Marvel and DC back in the 80s, and mm-hmm. I actually really got. I didn't like Secret Wars, but I was really turned off by Crisis on Infinite Universe. Or Infinite Earths. And the reason was that it disappeared up the backside of continuity. And I felt like with this many parallel universes and the whole story is about the, you know, the the one Superman retcon and versus the other Superman retcon. And <laughs> I, I just I, I those kinds of stories don't interest me at all. And I and, and every time I would see yet another crisis from DC, I'd say, really? They're doing more continuity work in the name of drama or drama in the name of continuity work. So that's that's what really turned me off from the DC uh, DC events. So not a big infinite crisis reader, huh? (laughs) But but crisis came out, what, mid-80, 85, 86. Yep. Infinite Mm -hmm. crisis came out two years ago, three years ago now? Uh, 2005. 2005. God, yes. six, six years ago. ago. Wow, six years ago. Yeah, no, because I was. I Crisis on Infinite Calendars. Jason right. Brightman doesn't but, know what year it is. I started reading it down in LA. I moved during the middle of it because I, I remember distinctly like trying to line up my issues, and they were all a mess for a while. But anyway, it had impact. Like even Infinite Crisis had impact because they were sort of now revisiting and undoing a storyline that was pretty much set in stone for 20 something years. Yeah, it's just undo yeah. the whole undoing of storylines thing. I mean, that's the, I guess oh. what I'm saying is that's what turns me off. Have I mean, you never read the X-Men? They do that like on a weekly basis. Well, I, and I'm not a, not a big well, fan of Well, that's the writer's mutant powers. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that in in general and I'm not a, a fan of of using storytelling to fix big pieces of 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 continuity. Continuity too. Like I, I again, I'm not going to defend um the what was it? Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Which was not, which was not good. But oh, least, I just read that in the trade format, and I was was just kind of shocked at how bad it was. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind the impact it had on the Ultimate Universe to change it. But again, it wasn't changing continuity; it was making changes in the universe. Even so, it wasn't a good read. I didn't yeah. actually mind that it made some changes to to like Ultimate Spider Man. Although in the end, you can read Ultimate Spider Man today, and you can't tell it. It's well, any th- that's actually the problem right? with those changes. Yeah. Like they destroyed New York City, and two issues later, everybody in New York City is fine, and it's going on, and you've forgotten that's happened. And yeah, that's with a lot of these events. Writers have to be really careful because there's certain things you can do for shock value or whatever, like destroy New York City or. Mm-hmm. Um, 
No more mutants. Right. No yeah. more mutants. But then where do you go from there? Captain yeah. America is dead and Tony Stark is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield which yeah. lasted for, you know, a year. Couple, yeah, that made sense, I think, from a story. And, and the dead Captain America uh, story was a good story yep. in the mm-hmm. end. But um, but why, I wouldn't defend yeah. Civil War necessarily. Uh, yeah, Civil War is indefensible. And so, Civil War led to Spider-Man revealing his identity, which then led to the giant colossal disaster of a retcon that was uh, Brand New Day. Yeah, one, one more day. One more day, Brand New Day, the combo of that, which uh, was a yeah. disaster. So – um, that 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 is exactly right. You what you promise people changes, and you do an event that has these earth shattering ramifications, and then there is this colossal tendency to walk it back. As soon as you're done, you got to start walking it back. So Unless is that conservatism on the part of the writers for the most part, or is it on the part of the readers, where readers are 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 pushing back and saying we don't want this kind of change because we feel invested? Because when you think about it. We- yeah, because when you think about it, comics are pretty deeply conservative. I mean, like like you've just pointed out, we've had what one new Marvel villain that stuck around for, in the last twenty years. Um, well, there ha- there haven't been very many heroes launched. There haven't been. A, it's it, less it, in conservatism because I think they try. It's just mm-hmm. it's really hard to do something good. And they like, want to yeah. they want to protect their intellectual property. So you're not going to make even every radical change that gets made to something has to be undone at some point because they want to protect yeah. their intellectual property of you know Spider Man needs to be like this. The Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. You know, I I loved it when the She-Hulk was in the Fantastic Four, but mm-hmm. um, in, inevitably they go back to being that that core four, and I believe they're doing that now. They're shaking up the Fantastic Four, but they'll be back where they were before. Right. It's gonna be the Fantastic yeah. Four, and then and then there's so the why would creation. you bother reading? Is the question? There's you a know, whole creator you... <laughs> issue now too, right? Where where back in the day when you had no other alternative but Marvel or DC, the creators would create interesting things for Marvel and DC. Now, if you've got a great idea as a creator, why would you not go off and create that yourself and own the intellectual property? And yeah. that. that has caused – and we may have talked about this a little bit before. That that makes it – I mean in some ways that makes um, makes uh, Venom kind of a miracle <laughs> that, that there's <laughs> anything. He was, right? was done in what, 90 or 89? It was, well, it was, it was right, right before yeah. the big kind of Todd McFarlane and then the kind of – broke off. Yeah. yeah he, that, maybe yeah. that's one of the reasons he was the last great right. character. There's a couple of uh, Brian K. Vaughn characters like the Red Hood – Mm-hmm. They've tried to do stuff with or well, Runaways is good and that's a Marvel intellectual property. Except thing. it's never yeah. sold ever. All right, but it's good. I'm just right. saying it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's it was true. a good new creation but from it, a quality standpoint that was within yeah, Marvel. So that brings up there's two yeah. things. It's hard to create something good, and then it's hard for it. You, you have to sell it for yeah. publishers to give it the space to find an audience. Right. Yeah. And yet, that somehow manages to work with the independents better than it does with Marvel or DC. So I wonder if there's a performance metric at work. Well, there's bigger overhead at Marvel and DC. <laughs> yeah. So, Lisa, yeah. explain explain the, the crises to me. Can can you can can it be explained? I, I don't because I did give up and and I kept seeing there were more crises and still more crises and then there was all right. Now a final I, I need crisis. to throw in the disclaimer that I stopped reading um, after the the fifty two series because. Even I, who am actually kind of a fan of continuity for, for continuity's sake and consistency, was by the end of 52, like my head was spinning. Oh, I so loved I, 52. So as – well, I, maybe it comes down to DC versus Marvel because, again, my brother's a DC guy, really loved 52, whereas I read it and, and kind of needed cliff notes on some of the stuff. Um, so as you know, there was Infinite Crisis, which was seven issues. It started back in 2005. Um, it was a led, It was supposed to be a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, they bring in an extra Superman, of course, because they always bring in an extra you Superman. You never have too many Supermen. No, no, you can't. Um, the Superboy of Earth Prime gets thrown in at some point. Um, Alexander Luther, who's like Lex, like a good Lex Luther from a parallel universe. Um, the thing. <laughs> 
The thing that sticks with me though is is they killed off Sue Dibney, uh, which I just thought was wrong. Um, that was earlier and, though. That was that whole yeah. identity, oh, crisis. identity crisis. Identity crisis, which led to yeah, which it's, was which, wrong. So, so so there's so but all so these there was identity crisis, which led into infinite crisis, and then after infinite crisis, like the entire DC universe, as I understand it, jumped forward a year. And that year was bridged with 52, which was a new comic book every week where you got the heart-wrenching story of Black Adam acquiring and then losing a family and a whole bunch of other stuff happened, which I can get to in a minute if we need to. Um, and then that led into Final Crisis, which which is a lie. Was it the uh, Final Crisis? <laughs> well, that was, and, and yeah, Final Crisis, Grant Morrison is alternately a, a great writer and operating at a whole nother level the rest of us mortals can't possibly understand. Because we're not taking argue, the same drugs he is right, or something. You, yeah, yeah, you could argue then his writing is less good if the rest of us, if no one can no possibly one can understand it. Yeah. it. yeah. The, uh, and so going back further to the, the original crisis, well, what happened with DC throughout its whole, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s as writers, you know, most people saw an issue of a comic and then would see never see an issue of that comic again. And so you would have all these stories from all these writers that were largely throwaway because there was no continuity. Right. Um because there was no until the really the direct market happened. So because of that, then people started collecting comics in the direct market and realizing like there's all these stories that are you know totally conflicting and crazy and uh Crisis on Infinite Earths was an uh a there, or the solution in the DC universe to that problem was always well there's multiple Earths. Right, because there was like the the um, the Superman from the fifties right, who had certain Earth. traits who who or or the original Superman he was actually mm-hmm. considered then to be like the Earth Two, two Superman. Superman. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. Justice Society of America was Earth Two, and the Justice League was Earth One, and yeah. they had all these rules, and it was a huge map. And so at some point they went, you know, this isn't user friendly, and right. and let's have the storyline that destroys. All of the multiple Earths, and coll- coll- or collapses them into a single into, to a single Earth, um, and the the emotional crescendo of that was not the Supergirl dying, but some of these Earth two characters who are left, the Superman, the older Superman with the white hair, because he mm-hmm. um, was the original Superman, uh, and uh, Superboy Prime, uh, they sacrificed themselves to bring about this one Earth. Yeah, for the sake of the universe coming together and all that. So it was these core characters. It was Superman, Superboy, Lois Lane, and somebody else, Lex Luthor from Earth 2, where Mm -hmm. one of the Earths where bad guys were good guys and good guys were bad guys. Yeah. Um, So – and that's where it ended. And then we had this one Earth and then DC could do all these stories reinventing all of their origins, which was like John Byrne's Superman. Oh, right, right. Yeah. so then fast forward 25 years and you have the same mess again where they kept doing all these <laughs> – else. They, so now they didn't have multiple Earths. They would do Elseworld tales like Alex Ross's Kingdom Come. Right, right. Uh, yes. Which were great stories. Great story. Right. Kingdom but, yeah. Come. They Thank wanted, you, Lisa, for recommending that to yeah, me, I think. They mm-hmm. wanted to throw them in. So they came up with this uh, infinite crisis which had those characters you thought sacrificed themselves and were dead, the old – Not uh, anymore. Right. They, <laughs> they, they've been in this uh, – nowhere zone watching this one earth unfold and seeing essentially what they thought the heroes not doing a good job and the work yes and so at the end of the first issue they've been watching all of this wonder woman killing people and um you know sue diddley getting raped and killed and all this terrible stuff and they went we sacrificed our lives for this and this is so wrong and so that that first issue ended with 
the old Superman breaking through this barrier going, this looks like a job for Superman. Yeah, it was, so maybe as an old fanboy, that touched me. The, uh, so at the end of this uh, crisis, um, and 52 was – now there's 52 Earths. So yes, Kingdom Come they, they, re- they restored the multiverse uh, is, is basically what they did. Although they tried to create a limited multiverse. Uh, yeah. I am sorry I asked. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's well, it's, it's, it's the thing about 52 and oh the, the reason God. it drove me bonkers is there were a lot of double blinds and, oh, you think this is – you think, oh, you think this is Neuron, but it's really Ralph Dibney or, or oh, you think this is Skeets, the lovable talking robot, but it's Mr. Mind. Right. Ah, to me, it was, you know. it was a great challenge. Like to, can you do a comic in real time coming out every week? Yeah. Um, from a production standpoint as well as a story standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it failed on a lot of – it came out every week. Uh, Quality-wise, story-wise, it failed on a lot of levels. But to me, mm-hmm. the fact that they were – they tried something new. And this is where I think DC does a better job than Marvel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they try something new. And I, I have to give them credit for doing that even if the story yeah. does su- succeed – on a lot of levels, but it had some moments to me that there's no, I have no desire to ever read it again, but I enjoyed <laughs> reading it in real time. So, so I have uh, an event question for you guys, which is what is, what would you say is your favorite event? If you have one that you can, you can think of, and you can take this in any way you like, you can define this any way you like, Jason, do you have something or do you want to think a positive moment while you ponder? Well, I could say the birth of my son was my favorite. Well, the comic book event. Ah. Until you write that into a comic book with a crossover with his arch nemesis from the future who comes back in time to try try to yeah, well, stop his birth. Well, I, have, I have two. Unity, which I already talked about uh, because it was so well done. And then uh, the the original Crisis only because it was, a, it was like 11 or 7 or something when that came out. And I had no idea who any of these characters were. Right, right. I had like I was me like, too. <laughs> there's three. There's two Superman and a Superboy. And my little how is that possible? Right, my little head exploded, and I probably got like four of the issues out of the entire series when it first came out. But In- I loved George Perez's artwork. Oh, the artwork the, is great. The, the like every panel has like sixty characters, and I have no idea who they are. And- so I love the Teen Titans of that era yeah. too, which was the Marv Wolfman George right. Perez, wasn't it? I mean that that was great stuff. Um, Fringe, by the way, did. Uh, uh, they did a – which is a two-world multiverse, right? In the in the uh, alternate universe on the TV show Fringe, there are uh, – there's a there's a comic book. There are comic books that are spotted at one point and that's produced by Warner Brothers. So it's a DC property. Um, and one of the co- comic books that's visible in the Fringe universe is the crisis issue with Supergirl dead being held by Superman mm-hmm. except it's Superman dead being held by Supergirl. Uh, and they commissioned like four or five of these alt universe covers for French. It's hilarious, and and because it's parallel universe about parallel universes, it's it's, it's good stuff. Lisa, what mm-hmm. about you? My favorite event. Yeah, uh, if you have one, you could also just see. The, this is the thing: is I don't claim all events. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, events are like sweeps where you end up watching anyway, and you hate yourself while you do it. Um. <laughs> well, maybe that's the answer. Because <laughs> um, I was going to say the last. Uh, I actually have a really bad taste in my mouth regarding events because um, the last one I read through was Civil War. And by the end of it, I was just like, really, really? I, I, I just sunk how much money into this? If you thought that was bad, do not read uh, Secret Invasion. 
No, oh, no. I flipped Civil through. I, invasion. Yeah. Oh, no. I flipped through the trade in the in in one of the comic book stores, and you know, actually put it back. And I'm typically somebody who who's a completist when it comes to collections and continuity and things like that. And and I was like, I can't even bring myself to touch this. And oh, the scroll. I mean, I loved the I loved the campaign that they did for Secret Invasion, where sure. you saw you know you saw the little kids eating ice cream cones and so on and so forth. But. Uh, the, the the whole thing was just this hectic mess, and once again, it's oh, you think this is somebody, but they're not. Um, and that was which, was that the one, or no? It was Civil War that there was Captain or uh, uh, Civil War Captain was Marvel, Civil War. Uh, came back to life and was guarding all the prisoners. Isn't that right? Except that's it turned War. out that yeah. it's and then in Secret Invasion, it turns out that it wasn't Captain Marvel. He was a fake. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was Yay! No. more fakery. No. The, the, the Civil War thing was ridiculous because, again, it's something where they throw you alleged shock after alleged shock, like Sue Storm leaving Reed Richards over their vast ideological differences. And, um, and Secret Invasion was done better when it was the Wraith War. Oh, right. <laughs> that was the Rom Space Knight spinoff. Thank you for getting in another Bill Mantlo reference. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah. the cl- I was going to say, I think the closest um, with regards to events, and this wasn't even an event, it was just a, a wrap-up that Wildstorm actually did, was... Um, the first time they killed off the Stormwatch title, they had uh, some of the aliens, you know, from the movie franchise, Aliens. They had some of the aliens come and, and gut half the team. And then they brought in characters from another book to investigate the mess. And I, I like that. Because, oh, yeah, I, I thought it was a great way to end things. Because if, if, you, if you have to cancel a book, you might as well. Why not kill off half the characters and, and have, have the, the survivors just shrug their shoulders and figure out, oh, okay, I guess I'll just go back to work for the United Nations. So. That's for Joss Whedon. Exactly. Yeah, well, right, right. You kill, kill people if you're Joss Whedon too. I was going to say, and I don't think this counts as an event either, but it was spun mm-hmm. out of an event and then it spun in, into an event, which is um, – and I've mentioned it on the podcast before – is Planet mm-hmm. Hulk, mm-hmm. which was played as an event, although it essentially yeah. was just a, a, a year in – in the Incredible Hulk, but it, it, it like was led into by the Illuminati, and they agree to send the Hulk away, and then it led into World War Hulk, which was another one of these oh, crossover yeah. kind of things. Um, but you know, I again, I guess what I'm saying is my favorite events aren't really events; they're they're almost like promotional uh, marketing around a an actual story that's happening. And again, the mm-hmm. scope is small. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when I was a kid, I loved the X-Men Micronauts miniseries, which again was sort of an event because it was a crossover miniseries kind of thing. But it wasn't a, 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 a an event that spanned many titles. It was it was a standalone pulled out of multiple titles. And, well, yeah. and that's the stuff that that's the stuff that I like. I mean, I, I'm actually a little scared, although I think it's an intriguing idea, and it, it, we'll see how they do it. But that the Buffy season nine concept is essentially mm-hmm. that they're going to make it an event where it's multiple titles in the Buffyverse all crossing over with each other instead of a single story in a single comic. It fits the format, I guess, but I'm not sure I actually endorse the idea of at least it's plotted from scratch as what it is going to be rather than trying to, trying to weave it into existing titles. But still, it, it, it gives me a lot of trepidation because, you know, the events haven't been very successful, right? Other than in sales, they're very yeah. successful um, from a sales perspective. It's just you know we're, we well, seem to be yeah. struggling to find good um, creative successes with it. Well, bouncing off of that, the Secret Six got relaunched. Um, the Gail Simone writes that the Secret and and basically the premise is, is these are people who are who are kind of screw ups, um, and they got relaunched. I forget this sounds awful. I forget which. Oh. It, um, 
they were launched with Identity Crisis because they came out in 2005. And um, it was Catman, Deadshot, Cheshire, um, Scandal Savage, who is the daughter of uh, Vandal Savage, and um, Ragdoll, who is just this this delightfully insane um, contortionist. And I have a da- no idea. And a dandy. I've and, never heard of any of these people. And, um, well, Catman um, runs into Batman occasionally, and he popped I up occasionally. Imagine. And he re- and he popped up occasionally in the Birds of Prey book too. I mean, this is a guy who wants to be a superhero and is just morally weak and and kind of a moron to boot. So it always so so it always goes wrong for him. Yeah, so it always goes wrong for him. And as a result, he's frustrated. He turns to a life of crime where he's basically a uniform for hire. Uh, and Lisa, are, are you talking about character driven books? Because that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were but, talking about events. But Villains United was launched um, in conjunction with Identity Crisis. It was woven in at some point. And I forget the exact connection because it's been a long time since I, I read the original stuff. But it's, it has since been spun off as a series called The Secret Six. And um, again, because Gail Simone is writing it, it's, it's a very funny series and generally and generally very good. And it's good comics. And so that's, well, you know, it's... it's uh, the way I'd look at it is, yes, it, it's an event-driven comic in that, in, in that that's how it's launched. And these guys do get sucked into events. But... It, it's something that came out of it on its own. It has in a tiny way changed the DC universe. Um, I'll take but, it. I'll take yeah. it. Gail Simone also, I think, rumored to be writing for the uh, for the Buffy season nine. I think that was what I had heard. I wouldn't be surprised. That's her, just, that seems a rally. Interesting, interesting thing. Um, yeah, she. Yeah. I think she's one of my favorite writers working today. Because between the between Secret Six, which I I always go out of my way to look for, and Welcome to Tranquility. Which is her take on a superhero retirement village, and mm-hmm. is very and very sharp and very funny that way. Yes, especially the the the, the former child flying ace who has now developed Alzheimer's. That's like my favorite character. Well, there's a great episode of The Tick uh-huh. that uh, involves the the retirement home. Um, did, did you see Lisa? Are you still reading Invincible? There there was uh, it was a couple of years ago now. They did a a an event, and it was one issue. I think it was maybe Invincible number fifty, but it was it was it was a crossover with all of the other um, heroes that are in that publisher, basically like the Savage Dragon. It's it's not yeah. just in image. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not just Tech Jacket, and I mean it's not just like yeah. th- things Kirkman touches. It's it it was everything in image, but they did it in one issue, and it's insane. But I loved it for the sense that they said here here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one double sized issue. It's mm-hmm. going to have all the crossovers in it, and then we're never going to speak of it again. It's just self contained. It's, it's fun. And fun because yeah. it is. That's, that's the, how they that's should why, be. Yes, that's why that's we like. That's why people buy them. Is they like? I want to see Spider Man and and Captain America fight uh, against Iron Man and you know and the yeah. Green Goblin who's now fighting with Iron Man or something like that. It's yeah. like that's crazy. Yeah. I, wanna, I don't want to see, see Ben going off to Paris. Come on, I want to see <laughs> Superman fight Spider Man because it's yeah. cool. Did you guys get or, or read the um, Justice League versus the Avengers? That one no, I didn't see. That was, was after my time. It was, Teen Titans, X Men. Yes, yeah, this but, was um, somewhat Avengers. recently. In, it was in Casada's two thousand ish. It's in the two thousand. Yeah, yeah, right after they launched Avengers. Anyway, they um, Perez drew it again because uh, he does all of the big lots of characters books. It was fun. Uh, I forget who the writer was. Uh, it may have been Wade, but it was it was just a lot of fun and your classic these. Some celestial bad thing happens and then the heroes from the two different worlds get thrown together and they have to find these three elements you know, and you know, so they split up into different teams to go get these three things to bring together to fight the big celestial bad thing. The fun part was the, the writing um, 
the writer was clearly having a good time with it because when the Marvel characters were in the DC world uh, in in those teams, they made comments like, your world is slightly bigger than ours. <laughs> your Earth is slightly larger because it has these other cities, Metropolis. And uh, it still has New York and stuff, but now there's yeah. also Metropolis. And the DC characters commented in the Marvel universe about how uh, none of the Marvel heroes are treated like heroes. Yeah. Like uh. they are in the DC universe. So it had lots of little nice things like that. And then the other fun part was because all these various celestial things happening, uh, the timeline was really kind of screwy. So from panel to panel, the characters would change their outfits. So like in one panel, Aquaman would be his orange shirt and green pants. And then the next panel, you know, he'd be talking throughout the two panels. But the next panel, he would be with his hook and his beard and his long thing. So you saw all the versions of the characters. And the other comment, the characters would sort of notice, like they all had a sense something was going on, but because they were part of it, they didn't. But as a as a person, you got to see every version of every character throughout these both teams' huge history. And it was just so much fun. And they included, I think on the last issue, had the the obligatory wraparound cover that had every single version of every single character and it had a map so you could find out who was who. See? It was just uh, fun. And that's and that's that's I think the story is that events should be more fun than they are and they sound I think they maybe even start with fun concepts mm-hmm. but they they tend not to be and so we're kind of glomming onto things like they collapse under the weight of their own history company, I think company crossovers actually are better right because they have to be restrained in scope because there's a, a deal that has to be made right a contract mm-hmm. and some revenue sharing and all of that and that's awful business stuff but in the end what that means is that they can't do what they can do on their own and and uh, you know I guess Marvel and DC basically don't do that anymore and they'll they'll eventually thaw Although they well, last I heard it was DC was refusing to work with them as long as Joe Casada was editor in chief. <laughs> some some negative and, things he had said about and DC, and he's no longer editor in chief. It's ask mm-hmm. Axel Alonso now, right. right? Who used to work at DC too, right? right? So maybe maybe we so. can start having crossovers again. I love the. There's a Marvel team up with um, Spider Man and Invincible. That's awesome. That oh. is one of those one of those things where Invincible flies through a portal from another issue of Invincible where he mm-hmm. was being sent to alternate universes and he's there with um with regular Spider-Man. I was actually kind of hoping it'd be Ultimate Spider-Man, but it's regular Spider-Man. And um and it's hilarious because he begins criticizing the names of all the heroes in in the Marvel universe. <laughs> and Kirkman wrote it, and it, and it's right. like, hey, let, well, let me guess, you know, and, it, and it's things like you're you're robot man. He's like, no, I'm Iron Man, really, and, and you're uh, and you're the 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 human flag. No, I'm Captain America, really. And this, <laughs> and and his biggest criticism is leveled on Spider Man. He's like, you've got all these cool powers. You're Spider Man. It's great. <laughs> it, and it's a good story. And he he saves Doc Octopus from. From Spider-Man thinking that Doc Ock is the good guy and then there's a whole misunderstanding <laughs> awesome. and and it's it's a Marvel team up. But I, yeah. I, so so that's the kind of yeah. crazy event. Yeah, Wildstorm, before they got fully subsumed by DC, they used to do occasional shout outs to the DC universe or crossovers into it. For example, when they had the series um, Stormwatch, their favorite bar was was run by a guy called Clark. And he was he, well, and he was very. And the thing is, is Clark would clean his glasses by shooting his X-ray vision at them. <laughs> and it was just a very subtle little shout out there. And then um, one of the wild one of the Wildstorm properties is Planetary, um, which we act, we actually need to do a podcast on Planetary. Yes, probably yes. Um, several. But yes. they, they, there was I've been a, reading it. There was a, do there was a Planetary Batman cross uh, spinoff, which was I think just a one issue thing where they run into um, the Batman from the 1960s series, the Batman from the um, 
I think I want to say the 1970s or early 80s comics and then the bat, the Dark Knight type Batman. And uh, they have to try to figure out what on earth he's what, why he, why these different iterations of Batman keep flashing in this alley. And it's a little detective story. And it, it was, I, I love things like that because, again, the scope is kind of limited. And part of the fun is watching the, the fish out of water story. Right. The, I, there was a, uh, a it was many years ago now, uh, a Hellboy Batman it was actually oh. Boy Batman Starman crossover. Oh wow! Uh, and all drawn by Mignola, mm-hmm. so it was beautiful. And of course, they fought Nazis. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Uh, and it just was collected in trade paperback uh, a couple weeks ago. It came out. Wow! Because it, it was early 2000, maybe that this story came out, or even before. It was way, way early in the Hellboy time thing but they could never collect it because of the whole legal rights and right so finally there's a hellboy crossover trade paperback that has that in it and the hellboy ghost which was a character from dark horse and i haven't read that one yet um crossover so it's just nice that they finally are collecting those company crossover sort of things Mm -hmm. i wish that the tick would get out of intellectual property jail um because that would be a, a character that i would love to see crossover with other with other things. Only if it was written by Ben. But it would have to be written by Ben Edlund. Yeah. 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 But um, that would be that would be great to see. So let's shift gears and talk about what you are – what you've been reading if you, if you are, have been reading anything. Lisa, you've had a baby. Um, have you been entertaining yourself at all by reading comics or have you been off the comics since you had your daughter? I've been trying to read. Um, trades are easier to read than the pamphlets. And the series I'm working through now is by John Lehman and Rob Guillory, and it's called Chew. And it, the lead character is a, a guy who works for the FDA as an inspector slash – he's an agent for the FDA. And he is what they call psychopathic, which means that when he eats something, he can instantly grok its background. Um, so they use him to solve food inspection cases and, and the occasional murder. And this, is, this is a universe where – chicken is outlawed right yes this is the universe where chicken is illegal and (laughs) and um his partner gets turned into a cyborg at at one point and i've and i've I've just and i've just started the i've just started the third trade and it's um it's very funny it's it's broad comedy it's 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 very sly to be honest it kind of reminds me a bit of invincible because it it takes a lot of comic book conventions and goes very tongue-in-cheek with them especially with oh you have an fda agent who who is psychic but only if something is in his mouth and he's dating a food writer whose special power is whenever she writes a food column anyone who reads it can actually taste what she's talking about so they, they think they're eating along with her and that's that's her superpower, and and the fact that these are treated like superpowers, and they they do horrible things to these people's lives. I, I find that very deeply funny. Wow, um. that is wild. <laughs> I've never heard of that. That is that is wild. Jason, are you do you have anything that you want to that you've been looking at that's struck your fancy? I, sadly, I'm not. reading. When I asked this question, you gave me a look like, oh God, you're not going to make me talk about what I'm reading now. The, so. uh, well, it's because the I've been reading two tracks at this point. One is the uh, the 80s, mid-80s, mid to late 80s, 90s series of Thor, just to get kind of ready for the Thor movie. Uh, I, Walt, read the Walt si- Simonson? I'm actually reading the uh, uh, Tom DeFalco run that happened right after the Walt Simonson where it was – they ended up going very Kirby. I like it. Tom DeFalco. He is a very uh, throwback kind of writer, right. yeah, which it, is kind of exactly – at, like at the time when I was a kid, no. I didn't really appreciate it. And now I really appreciate his – I read his run of uh, Spider-Girl and I really like that it was – 
just seriously old school. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's and it's exactly that pair. It's uh, DeFalco and, and Ron Friends. And Ron Friends. <laughs> so I'm reading that at the same time. I just finished reading the first six issues of the whole New Avengers family. So like Secret Avengers. Uh, New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, and uh, Avengers Academy. So like the first six issues of all that set. And I can say some of them are very good. Some of them are very good. Others... I, so I thought those much. those early is it the early new Avengers that were by Bendis were pretty good. Bendis and Imo, what's how do you say his name? Imminen. Imminen. Stuart yeah. Imminen, yeah. Those actually were really good. That was one of the yeah. good yeah, ones. Yeah, I like those. The Bendis uh Romita Jr. uh Avengers uh, line were mm-hmm. the exact opposite of very good. Uh, not so much. Right, we're not so Fair much. Enough. You just picture Bendis is just rolling in money laughing. <laughs> he does some good yeah. work and then he does some other work that exactly. is not, and then he's, is not, yeah. not and, so good. And then he does work because the beach house needs a new roof. Yeah, right. So, so right. all of you out there, if you want to read an Avengers book, get the one that has the thing in it. That's the that's the new Secret Ava- Avengers. Secret, that's yeah, the one we're right. talking about that's good. Right. The, uh, also, yeah. No, that's not Secret Avengers. Sorry. Secret Avengers is Brubaker, which is also good. Oh. Um, the uh, new, new Avengers, Avengers is the which led into the Secret Ava- Invasion, but it's good. It's right, yeah. New Avengers is good, and Avengers Academy is surprisingly good in that sort of like New Mutants, right? Love young that heroes. young heroes, man. That is, it, I love that. It stuff. has a big concept twist that makes it gives huh. it a nice framework and keeps it interesting. So um, over the holidays, I read another volume of Atomic Robo. I think volume three. <laughs> Which um, is amusing in that it plays with time. Atomic Robo was invented by uh, Nikola Tesla in the 1910s, I want to say, 1920s. And uh, but he's immortal because he's a he's an atomic powered robot. And so th- they tell stories of him in the in World War II. And there was a, one of his one of the collections was uh, actually a flashback sort of based thing where there are his friends from World War II and now they're all dead. And but the the, the the enemy, the evil from then is back. Anyway, this this collection is uh, it's him and H.P. Lovecraft, who's a who's crazy in the twenties, um, and and that's the first issue. And then the second issue is him in the forties, and then the next issue is him in the seventies, and the and the issue after that I think is him in the present day. And there's this recurring evil because it's a Lovecraftian. Um, evil out of time and space that does it's non-linear to time and so the end of all of these first five issues i think are the same which is basically that atomic robo gets sucked up by this monster and then spat out and then the last issue um the 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 last issue is the period where they've all been sucked in by the monster and so all the atomic robos are together from the different timelines and they must figure out how to resolve the issue which resolves in them all being spat back out into their own timelines it's it, it's great atomic robo is just it's a great it's a great book it is so much fun great sense of humor interesting character cuz he's human like mm-hmm. but he's not human because uh, he's a metal man, he's a robot, but he, but he's you wouldn't tell from his dialogue, which is hilarious. Um, so I, I can't recommend any pick up any kind of Atomic Robo stuff. Everything I've read of Atomic Robo, and they do they do individual little runs. So they'll do like a volume one that's six issues, or another one that's five issues. And don't they have an iPad or iPhone app too of Atomic mm-hmm. Robo? I seem to remember downloading. Yeah, the there were, and there issue. was a free and there was a free sample, and you can also get yeah. it from the comics by Comicsology app. But um, yeah, they've been actually very good at at promoting it um, digitally. But um, I love I love Atomic Robo. That is, it's just huge, uh, huge fun. 
So that's what I that's I think what I've been reading the most and, and keeping up with Invincible and a couple other things that way too. I need to lots, I lots need digital to, comics. I need to keep up with Invincible. <sighs> yeah, well he's he's actually got a little bit of a um of a uh, an event thing going on with <laughs> with the the war uh-huh. the, sales are down the well it's it's not a crossover event but it's it's like they had the the they had the the what is it viltum right the, the Vil- viltrumites yeah 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 so so one of them comes to earth and there's this big war and people get injured and then he goes into space with his dad and his brother and they they fight them out in space and they go back to the home world and Why it's did he get a brother and it's all oh, oh his brother his 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 dad got it on with um an insect queen, oh. insect queen, and so after leaving Earth, purpley. and so oh, right. yeah, and he has got he ages rapidly, and yeah. it's all it's it's it, that one's actually fun, but the, so but because Invincible's mom is awesome, she's raising the kids since the insect queen had like a lifespan right. of three years, and so right. so it's all good except that I feel like I'm evented out with Invincible now, and I really yeah. want him to just go back to Earth, which apparently I think in the next issue he goes back to Earth, and there's the ramifications of. What has happened while he's been gone? Yeah, but I, I really, you know, what I like about that comic is not that that we spend ten issues with lots of fighting out in space. It's about the characters and his his relationship with Adam Eve and yeah. and, and and the other kind of wacky the Guardians of the Globe who are on the Earth and they're kind of weird like robot the the robot that's remote controlled by a kid and yeah. stuff like that. Duplicate so, is one of my favorites. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's the, Kirkman, that guy. Yeah, he, he he's he's kind of all he's over the go place. Places, I think I think he might be okay. That young man has a future. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's Brian Clevinger. Clevinger. Clevinger mm-hmm. is the uh, is the uh, Atomic Robo writer. By the way, he's the <laughs> he's the guy. And I don't actually know the name of the publisher of that. Red, pure, Red Five, maybe. Somebody I've never Red Five Comics. It's an, mm-hmm. it's you know indie Atomic Robo asked for it by name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think we're reaching the end of our, our show for now, but it sounds like we've got a couple great, uh, a great, great topics because I do want to talk about the portrayal of being a parent and having kids in comics. So we, we should come back to that. And, um, and in the truest spirit of book clubs everywhere, before we go, we should say what we're going to talk about next time. And I think, mm-hmm. Lisa, you said that we should talk about – Planetary is what planetary. I've been pushing for. Yeah. Mm. So let's let's talk about planetary. Although you know we could be like planetary and promise to talk about planetary for for almost a decade before we finally <laughs> get around to it. Yeah, never, yeah. But next time it'll be planetary. <laughs> That'll be our sign off from now on. I mean, next yes, time we'll talk yes, about planetary. Exactly. Yeah. Well, why don't we make the parenting discussion the next thing? Um, you know, I'm sure we all have. I'm sure we all have <laughs> a lot to say about robot nannies. You've already you've already uh, you've already pushed out planetary one time. That's exactly. amazing. It's Look meta. at that. Poor planetary. <laughs> So stay tuned next time where you have no idea what you're going to hear. Yes. Could be babies, n- could be planetary. Neither – babies talking about planetary. We'll, yeah. we'll find out what, what, what Lisa's daughter thinks about planetary, which is probably <laughs> – Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, just a guess. It's either that or sleeping. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been great. It's great to be back with you guys. I, I look forward to doing this uh, uh, a little more often now that now that it's the new year and, and, uh, and we're all back and, and Lisa's uh, – Lisa's back with us, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. It's great to have you back, and and, yeah, it's, uh, and again, congratulations on uh, on the birth of your daughter. It's fantastic. We're very Thank happy you. for you. Thank you. It was nice talking to you guys today. Yeah, this is yeah. great. All right, so everybody, uh, thanks for joining us on the Incomparable Podcast uh, for for Jason Brightman and Lisa Schmeiser. I'm Jason Snell. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. This has been the Incomparable Podcast. Visit us at theincomparable.com. 